Hi there and welcome along to On The Whistle. I'm your host, Zane Navi, and joining me as always is Peter Maritzburg's finest, Courtney Fries. Fantastic to have you here on the pod, our resident PSL winner, the only man who wins the Spirit Cup every year for the over 40s in Essex. How are you doing, my good man? I'm doing fantastic, Zane. As you can see, I haven't put the heating on in my house yet. Uh, I can see you have. I've got the jumper on. And I want to correct you, Zane. It's over 45. Over 45. You know, I'm doing you a disservice. I'm doing you a disservice. <laughs> well, listen, guys. Um, as you know, we love getting big names around the braai. And today, we have the esteemed company of Mr. Kevin Johnson. Kevin, thank you for joining us around the pod today. So exciting to get you on. A man who's experienced so much coaching in South Africa, not just in South Africa, headed across the world and helped Al-Akhli and Pizzo Mosamane create a dynasty there during his time in Egypt. And what we'll get into later, a man that Stephen Pinar, one of South Africa's greatest exports, holds in the highest regard. Courtney and I are talking about putting the heating on and off. It looks like you have very good natural heating around you. How are you doing today? Oh, guys, uh, thanks again for for this modern technology that makes people speak in live, live, live terms. And uh, yes, you guys are in freezing, freezing weather. But uh, God is always good to South Africa, eh? always. <laughs> uh, we have nice sunny times now. And uh, yes, there's been a lot of rain. But uh, most of the time, we have good weather. Our evenings are probably the best in the world. Uh, and our days are probably the best for anybody who's looking for a suntan. Uh, I have a permanent one for my alpha, but uh, then you still have your tent, and so does uh, Courtney still have his tent. So I'm happy for you guys. You don't lose that, no, no matter where you're It's where called you great genetics, Kevin. Yeah, well. Yes. <laughs> I think you got the right name. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, a right privilege to have you uh, on the podcast. And you know, we're going to talk about your career, your successes, your learnings, your inspirations. I have to ask you, Kevin, um, let's rewind to the start of the year. And from a global perspective, when you look at African coaches, I think there are three men on your radar. There's Jemal Belmadi at Algeria, who were doing amazing things and favorites to go and dominate, not just win the African Cup of Nations, given the undefeated run they were on. You yes. had Alusi Say, who had the Senegalese golden generation, looking to finally deliver and qualify for the World Cup. And then I'd say Pizzo Mosamane, who bought the dynasty at Al-Akhli with the back-to-back -back Champions League successes. And then it all changes very quickly. We know what happens at the AFCON, and that sort of goes to script. But Walid Radrugi takes... Walid Ragragi, sorry, let me get that pronunciation right, takes Widat Casablanca... They win the CAF Champions League. There's almost this symbolic passing of the torch from Pizzo to Walid. And then you see the success he achieves in such a short space of time with Morocco. A historic finish. You know North African football. You know Walid Redraghi. What have you made of his rapid rise in international football and global football? <clears throat> There's, uh, you know, we can always talk football, but uh, I don't know him personally, but I do know Pizzo Mosimani, and I do know Sisse, 
you you understand what I'm saying? And uh, when I look at the Moroccans, if you've played in Morocco and you've played in front of their supporters, they are crazy. They are a crazy bunch of people. They they really push their teams. And uh, this was one of the reasons I thought uh, they would be so they were so powerful in the World Cup because whenever they played, there was a sea of red people. And uh, they have a, a different way of cheering their team up. And uh, because the one thing that I always noted also is that no World Cup was ever won by a foreigner within that country. And I might be wrong, but all the World Cups that are won are always from the person from that. The coach is always from the country. And this goes back to what the guy from Morocco is all about. He's from Morocco. He knows the culture of the people, firstly. He knows the mentality of those particular players. And he knows how to press the buttons to get those particular players at the highest level. And this is what always helps when you look at why certain countries need a man from their country in order to push them. Because it all boils down to how we feel each other. And football is a, is a, is a feeling because getting you prepared Zain, men, uh, physically is the easiest part. Getting you prepared physically for a game or for a tournament is you, probably you, you the easiest You haven't coached part. me yet. It might be the hardest task of your life. Yeah, that's probably because... Uh, I'm lazy. You, 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 yeah, but <laughs> well, lazy is one thing. <laughs> lazy is one thing, but if you're lazy, we'll train for eight hours. <laughs> you know, coach, I'll, I'll tell you, you're talking about getting people prepared. I remember when I was at Rangers, Gordon used to take us to the to the, the race course and we used to run around the race course. Just run around the, the race courses. course. For goodness sake, I'm no horse, man. <laughs> yeah, but now you see, again, we go back there, but we need to understand what we are, what we are preparing for. Are you preparing a football player or are you preparing a racehorse? Uh, unlucky, Courtney. That's not my philosophy. If you ever played for me, you would have loved the game. You would have loved the game from start to finish if ever you played for me. That's just something I have to put in. But like I say, sure. preparing physically is is, 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 is easy. Mm -hmm. I got to... I, yes, the game has gone to another level. You've got sports science, you've got biokinetics, you've got physios. You gotta you gotta incorporate all those people, Zane. But that sure. is easy to do. It's in the head. The mentality, and that is what the Moroccans have mm -hmm. when you have a local coach. Uh you just take it back to ninety-six. Clive Barker, the Clive one Barker and Bafana. Mm -hmm. Where's he from? He's from Durban. Of course. Glenwood. Si say where's he from? He's from Senegal. You get what I'm saying? No, the guy Lionel, where's he from? He's from Buenos Aires. Carlos Pereira, when he won the World Cup twice, where's he from? He's from Brazil. The the, the German guy, Joachim Lowe, when he won, where's he from? He's from Germany. <laughs> we got to understand, we got to understand that and feel that. I mean, in all respect, Belgium had probably, I think they were ranked number one or number two in the world. They were ranked number two. I think Brazil were one, Argentina were three. Where's Martinez from? Spaniard. When it matters most, 
when it matters most, how do you get in Kevin De Bruyne's feet? How do you get in Lukaku's head? How does it matter most? Because you know what? I'm talking to a Maritzburg guy, talking to a Durbanite. I can choose. We can talk about Bunny Chow's. We know what it is. Coach, Bunny Chow, please. Yes, please. You, I'd run for you then, coach. Madison make the best bunnies, coach. Madison make the don't 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 don't. No, I thought I I thought I've always had the best bunny on the bluff. Hey, you know you need a passport to go to that island. But but but, coach, I I was just again such pearls of wisdom and and completely get your sense of you know if you have a, a a coach from that country or with that heritage, you are potentially gonna elicit different feelings of nationalism and, and and playing for the team but i have to ask you as, you as you sort of take a step back and you mentioned earlier you know pizza i mean that's well known you were you know um you've worked with them for for extended periods but i was just wondering i mean having seen how successful while it was at morocco i mean if you were to have a similar type of player and a similar type of setup to morocco in south africa do you think Pizzo could achieve that kind of success with the Bafana team? I don't know. Probably will. But I don't know if the moment is right. Do you understand what I'm saying, Zane? I don't know uh, if absolutely. we have enough. I don't know if we if we have enough players that are playing at the highest level in the world. You need to have those players. Ziad is playing for, 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 for Chelsea. Akimi is playing for Paris Saint Germain. If I'm right, or is he playing for, 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 for? No, no, no. He's PSG. Akimi's PSG. He's the right back. And he, right he's the right back for pa- Paris Saint Germain. Yeah. Yes. The, the guy in the middle. Uh, the, 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 the one. Amrabat's uh, in Italy for the Fiorentina. Can you see the name? The goalkeeper Bono's at Sevilla. The goalkeeper Sevilla. of the year there. <laughs> Can you see the names, uh, Zane, what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, the number eight. I think the number eight plays for one of the top teams in, in, in Morocco. Uh, I don't know. What's his name now? I'm talking, he was really very influential for me. The the guy that rises so high and scores a goal against uh, against uh, Portugal. Ngezi. Uh, Ngezi, yeah. I don't know where yeah. he plays. Size. So Sice is also based overseas, the captain. Yes. You get what I'm saying? Sice is based uh, at now, Wolves. He's a Wolves centre-back. Yes. Yes. That's right, uh, 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 Courtney. Now you look at the team that won 96. Where were they? They were also playing at the highest level. Lucas Hedebo was playing for Leeds. Uh, Mark Fisher was playing for, for Lazio, I think. Uh, Eric Tinkman was, was in Italy. It was in Italy or in Portugal. David Nyasi was, was, was in at Wolves, if I'm David correct. David Nyasi was yes. in St. Gallens, Switzerland. Yes. yes. Uh, Courtney Fries was at Manning Rangers. Dr. Kumalo <laughs> was in Argentina. Yes, that's correct. The, but the others, like, for example, Neil Toby was the captain, but he was playing for the biggest team Yeah, He was playing for Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, Shoes Michel was playing, in, I think he was playing overseas as well. Turkey. Uh, I was playing in Turkey for Galatasaray or something like that. Yeah. But you, you understand what I'm saying? It's it's the names will, will tell you because there they're playing at a much higher level all the time. Yeah, 
our players at the moment, when they play 30 games, they're tired. Lionel Messi plays 50 games every season. We have to press for that. And that's what I'm saying, Zane, if you remember earlier back, we need to press our players to play 40, 50 games a season. And you can't complain. You can't say, I'm tired, uh, I'm lazy. No, you got, it's your job. And uh, my other thing is as well, when that comes back is, where do you get paid 50,000 US dollars a week or 50,000 rand a month? It doesn't matter. The sport is the same. The sport did not change. And we tend to, to sell ourselves short when it comes to why you want to be a football player. And uh, you guys spoke about it earlier on when we, when we were, you spoke about Stephen giving a tribute and all those things. At the age of 13, 15, Stephen and them were playing 40 games a season in his development. That was part of it, to play 40, 50 games a season. So oh. then already, we, yeah. You're developing him. So, Coach, this is this is what I want to come to next. You know, you've had such a broad experience in terms of football. But, yeah. but just for people that may not have, and I don't know how this is, that may not know that much about you, can you just give us a bit of a background of yourself? Where did it all start? How did you get involved into football to be actually where you are? Because you've taken gargantuan steps in football for, for, for a South African. So can you just take us back to the beginning and how this all originated, your career in football? It's all down to politics, Courtney. Uh, I've always played football in my life, always since I was five years old. But uh, then again, we played in the segregated leagues I played for Bosman Chelsea for a while. I think maybe two seasons. But then uh, I got involved with the coaching. I coached then. Uh, there was a little uh, a little league called the Celtic Scouts League when everything came together. It was called the Celtic Scouts League. And I, I had uh, some players there that even went and played for Kaiser Chiefs. But uh, then I found the bug for, for coaching because I was a player. But at the same time, I, I followed my, 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 my instinct as far as politics is concerned, whereby the greatest man that is my biggest mentor, Nelson Mandela, said, uh, sport will unite the nation. Sport will bring the world together. And I said, what a better way. If I'm not going to throw stones anymore, let me go and throw these things together. And uh, we got together and we started. I started coaching and got involved with uh, the Chibuku Center in Soweto, which was then a group of people, I call us a group of people, uh, Farouk Khan, Zuneid Mao, Simon Bata, Ted Dumitru was part of it. And we started this whole group. And uh, from there, you know, we started coaching in all the different areas as well. And then we found Leo Togi. And, uh, Nobody gives him a lot of credit, Neil Toby, but we got to give him a little bit of credit, yeah? Because he was working for Transnet and he started the Neil Toby clinics around the 
around the areas. And we were going from here to Durban, Cape Town, Harrodsburg, you know, just coaching people. But uh, we came back and we said, Neil, you know what? You're wasting money because we're only going to go back there next year again doing these clinics. Why don't we open up a super center, which we started in, 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 in Alexander, and from there, we opened up the School of Excellence. But while starting the School of Excellence, remember, we were teaching each other and getting information from Ted, and Ted was getting information from us because he wasn't really, he just come to Africa and we were helping him along, he was helping us along, and we were, we were fighting with each other as far as what coaching is all about. Came the opportunity, we all were able to go to Brazil, study in Brazil, the youth program. I think it was for one and a half months because then uh, Harvey Lange was still the boss of FIFA. So everything was going to Brazil. And what a better way to start is by going to Brazil and finding out exactly why these Brazilians are so good and why they've got three World Cups already. Uh, we had the opportunity to study in, in Amsterdam as well, in Holland, which was very, very good. And then we went again back to Brazil and carried on studying, but we ran the School of Excellence. Uh, we got a group of 35 boys together from the ages of 10 to the ages of 15, I think. And in that group, Stephen was part of it, but there was big other names, Dylan Shepard, Brett Evans is from Maritzburg. Sean Potrita is from Maritzburg. The Durban boy was Durban, Dylan Shepard. So he was, he was, he gives out to Durban. I'm just giving you those names. And <laughs> then out of that group. <laughs> uh, coach, you got three was, to one there. Eh? You got three to one. <laughs> yeah, Maritzburg had better players always. <laughs> I'm joking. Don't be sad, but then, Zane. But then from that group, you won't believe it, Courtney. Zane, out of that group, I think it was 40 players. Out of that group, 36 played professional football. But that was because of our learnings and our understanding of football and our reading of the game and the way we put those players through their, 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 their paces during the time that they spent at school. But we made sure that most of them finished their schooling. Most of them or in fact, all of them that was with us in that group finished their schooling. From there, I get a call from from Ajax. And uh, people don't know this, but Ajax Amsterdam was supposed to have a collaboration with the School of Excellence. It didn't happen. And Ajax Amsterdam went to Cape Town. Rob Moore and John Kamita started Ajax Cape Town. Coach, and I got a call. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry to stop you. And I, I remember as a young boy um, going to the school of excellence. We 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 were the Natal under under twenties, and we stayed at the school of excellence. And I remember meeting a young Dylan Shepherd, and him talking about the paces that you guys were put through. And I, I remember sitting there. I remember we were having breakfast. It was myself and um, Wendell Robinson. It was the, the assistant yes. keeper at um at Sundowns at the moment. We're sitting and Dylan, who was must have been 14 at the time, talking to us about what training they get, how schooling, and I was sitting there in awe, wishing to be him, thinking to myself, 
I, I wish I had your opportunity. I didn't even know something like that was happening in South Africa until I met you. Please continue. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, I went to IX, IX uh, Cape Town. They offered me a job. And that uh, left the school in, it was in 2000. I went to IX Cape Town and I, yes, by then I had done all the necessary things. And because IX Amsterdam knew me, uh, because I spent time there and they spent time at the school, we were able to, I went to work there. And from there, I, there is actually where we got, where I got the most opportunity to be number one, a youth coach, like I was at the school, but with a specific group only. I became the, the chief scout and set up the scouting for them all the time. I became the head of youth there as well at IX. And then uh, my last stunt was uh, to become the head coach of IX Cape Town and we saved delegation. You get what I'm saying? And from there onwards, yeah, again, Neil Toby comes into my life and uh, he offers me the job of, 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 of head coach, head of youth at Mamelodi Sundowns because he was, the head, he was taking the first team job. That's the time when he won the league with uh, Miguel Gamondi. I come to Sundowns and I'm the youth coach for, I'm sure I'm the, the head of youth for not more than eight months. Toby leaves and they hire Gordon Ingerson. And uh, myself and Gordon worked at I Escape Town. So he comes and says, come and be the assistant. I said, yeah, for sure. I'll be the assistant of Mamelodi Sundowns and we win the league. We win the league with Sundowns. But the move on after that is, uh, is another, another one. Uh, I met a, a very good Argentinian in Miguel Gamondi. We had a very, very, very big, good relationship at at Sundowns, and he he offers me to come and be his assistant at Platinum Stars. That's my first my first move to a first team as as a first team coach, and we go there and God be with us. We're the first team in Southern Africa to beat Al Ahly in South Africa. We beat them two one at the Lucas Maripa Stadium, and uh, after that, what happens? I set up the whole. Uh, youth program at Platinum Stars. They were called Silver Stars then, Platinum Stars. And then they, they sell the team and it's called uh, from Silver Stars, they sell the team to Platinum and they call it Platinum Stars. We go over to Platinum Stars and uh, they get rid of Gamondi and they ask me, well, can I set up the, the youth structure there again? I set up the youth structure. We, we do a whole youth development program and they they hire I think they hired Owen De Gama as the head coach and I said no fine but we set up a good youth structure myself and Sam Mbata and out of there uh, Gift Links is born and Cabo Melo Khodesan they play in the the, the 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 they play now in the Portugal Portuguese league and Gift plays in Denmark so out of 20 players two players again make big names for themselves. But uh, I become the head coach at Platinum Stars and uh, God willing, God, we build a nice team. A very, very good team. But the, the big thing behind that is that we have one 
one of the best facilities in the country, quote me. We are one of the best facilities. And uh, be as it may be, I work with your uncle, Alan Fries. He's my assistant coach. <laughs> He's one of the assistants. So we, we actually do so well with that team that we won two trophies and uh, we come second to Kaiser Chiefs and we lose by one point. And during that time, uh, yeah, education-wise, CAF, because I've done all the CAF courses, they offer the CAF Pro license, which is equivalent to the UEFA license, UEFA professional license, I think it's the A or the B, but it's equivalent to that. And they bring it to South Africa, and uh, we're the first in Africa to do that course. Uh, we do that course, quite a few of us now, as you speak, there's some of them like Rulani Makwena, he comes out of that out of that cause with us and uh, we, we, we we get our CAF or our license that we could work all over the world even though the ones in Brazil are also qualified they also qualify you to work all over and yeah again Europeans put emphasis on their license but they don't put emphasis on our license they put emphasis on the South American license but they don't put emphasis on the African license so for me, the Europeans like to downgrade the Africans, which I'm not a good fan of. But that's what happened. And uh, the next thing after Platinum Stars, we go to, who do we go to? We go to Supersport. We do a, a fairly good job there. But because of the results, something happens. We part ways after Supersport. Where do we go to? We go to Amazulu. Amazulu was an interesting one because I'm with your people, uh, Zane. Um, no, you know, no, my people, coach the Zulus. Yeah, we 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 there, and we are building something. I, I'm a golden arrows man. Embarrassing. Yeah, even if you're a, too even embarrassing. Even if he's a golden arrows, even the, if listen, he's a golden arrows man. The, the Zulus are the biggest in Natal. The no, for sure. So don't come here with, sure. um, with Abafana Best 10 day. Le Monfil Golden Arrows. No, but for sure, Courtney and, and Zane, in all respect, for me, that is the biggest team in South Africa. Or it can be if run properly. Because then I can take, I can wipe Golden Arrows out and I can wipe Marisburg United out. I can wipe you out if there's no team in the world that's called Amazon. And that's the difference. There's no team in the world that can be called Barcelona. When you talk about Barcelona, you talk about only one Barcelona. You see what I'm saying? If you understand the feeling I get, yeah, we have a good time at Amazulu, but we're on top of the long. We're second, second on the long. The league has just started. I'm second on the long. Ha! One morning I get there, I look at the log, we number last. This is after five, five six games. What happened? Phone the boss. No, they deducted six points from us. <laughs> deducted six points. We lose. We lose. Why? Because they never paid some some fine they had with FIFA and things like that. So we out. We out. We can't sign players. Nothing. But we carry on. And we have a good. We have a good season there, and we have a good time. And uh, we end up good. We save relegation. We we sell a player for. I think 13 million rand that season. So we, 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 we do all right. We, the team is strong and we're good. But 
as football is always, uh, certain things don't go your way administratively, and you you part ways. We are oh, talking for come in there. two months. Yeah, let me come in there I, I, because I, I I'm looking at this bag of experience you have, and I'm talking it's a big bag. You know, mm-hmm. then you have the opportunity to go to Egypt with all this experience, with all that you have behind you, with your training to be involved in Africa's biggest club. How did that move come about? It was COVID and we were all at home. Remember, the world was at home and uh, nothing was happening. And uh, when COVID opened up, uh, I got a call from Pizzo. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing nothing. He says, when I come to Ali, I said, no, I, I follow world football. And uh, when you talk about club of the century and things like that, when something like that is offered to you, uh, you don't say no. You join. And uh, in all respect, going there was really, really, really the answer to all my questions that I had or that I spoke to you about initially about diversity, understanding the player, understanding the culture, looking at the, 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 the league, how it's run, what they have done to make sure that they have the 120 million people, 60 million support Alali. Why the 60 million support this team? Why? Why? And uh, when you look at the way the club is structured, the way they do things, then you can understand why 60 million people support Al Ali. But Courtney and Zane, it's not only Al Ali, maybe because they've got 120 million people, but you know that Simba have 12 million people support them. Widat Casablanca have about, I think they also have 15, 20 million people support them. It's the way they run their club. And uh, it's the same like Barcelona. Barcelona is not a football club. And I think Manchester United is also not a football club. And so is Manchester City, not a football club. Ajax Amsterdam is not a football club. It is a social club. And that is where the diversity comes in. That is where the feeling for the players comes in. Because Al Ali is a social club. They are People there that are playing hockey, they're running, they're swimming, they're doing long jump, they're playing tennis, but they all belong to El Ali. It's like you. You've been out of the country since 2001. But you know what? You still have your Manning Rangers badge and you still pay the money to Manning Rangers. You understand what I'm saying, uh, uh, Courtney? And that is what they have developed. And that is why wherever you go in North Africa, if you fly from Egypt to Morocco and you get off the plane, there's Ali fans. They still pay their dues to the club in order to, when they go back home, they're able to walk in the restaurant and pay half the price for any meal they want. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I learned. That's why they're known as the, 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 the club of the century. Because they thrive on that. Which brings you back to two words you mentioned a bit earlier, Coach. 
you mentioned words like culture and mentality. And, and this is what you're talking about in regards to that club. So I, I want to follow on here. As an experienced manager, what, what could you feel that you've learned from it uh, that you could possibly take into your next job? That you have to get the players to be athletes first. They must want to be athletes. And like Zane says, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't run for, for so many hours. You have to make sure the athletes first. You've got to get the right balance. And unfortunately, in our country at the moment, the only people that can get that balance right is sundowns. Why? Because the money is there. And it looks like we are being pushed by money all the time. And it's not the way it's supposed to work. You know, and I have that experience, Courtney, whereby I had a platinum stance, but I did not have the money. Those guys were not earning big, big money. But because I had the visit, because I had the facility, I was able to manipulate them into being proper athletes. You see what I'm saying? For example, uh, the the fact that we need to do, we needed to do a recovery after every game, and players wouldn't come to training the following day because once you play a game, they go out, and the next day, oh, they all of a sudden sick, they got flu, they got mothers dying or something like that. They have a lot of excuses because that's the type of person they are or the type of person they grew up to see, oh, it's right. You know, when you work hard, come Friday, you must go out. So what I did was, what we did, we used that facility to its fullest. For example, if we, if we went out and we played, we knew we had to come back to the, to the, to the campus in order for the players to go take their cars and then leave and go wherever they wanted to go. Some of them is one hour, they back in Johannesburg, they leave at four o'clock, they're back in Rustenburg. You don't know where they were. You know, we had a player that had a girlfriend in Durban that once we finish play, he drives to Durban, he drives back the next day. He drives to Durban, does his thing, drives back again, and is there for the next training at three o'clock in the morning. You know what I'm saying? We had a player that, that was like that. So what we did was, because we had all the necessary equipment and everything, at four o'clock when we get to Rustenburg, in the ice, we do the recovery. They would complain, realize that, that, but then after they started realizing, guys, if we do it properly, this man will be able to do this and we'll be able to live better. That's how it is, I think. I have to come in there, Kevin, because you brought up something that regular listeners to the podcast would know and if you're listening out there please send us your questions otw underscore podcast find us on twitter find us on instagram find us on youtube find us on facebook you just need to search that 